for them. You know, everything we do and every reason we come to church, it's not so that people can see, you know, what outfit we got for Christmas or uh, to hang out with our friends or even to come hear the music. Everything that we do should be about Him. Him. We came this morning for Him. And if we're not going to see Him this morning, we might as well all go back home. Because the purpose of coming to church is to have an encounter with Him. Is He worthy? Yes, He is. Thank you, Chance, for singing that song. Uh, take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Kings, Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter number 18 and verse number 17 is where we're going to begin. As we introduce our theme for 2024, we're going to see a story that's very familiar to most of us. and uh, There are several key players. You have Elijah, who is the prophet. He's the preacher. He's the one who is uh, speaking the most in this story. Uh, we have see that he is sent by God to expose the sinful behavior, not just of the leadership, but also of God's people. We see a man named Ahab. He's the king of Israel. He's a pagan idol worshiper who's married to a very loving, kind, sweet woman named Jezebel. All right? So, and the Bible says just a couple things about her, but... Uh, you have Elijah and you have Ahab. And you don't gonna, we're not going to see Jezebel in this story. We will uh, down the road. But uh, then you have 850 false prophets, false preachers who are religious leaders of the false god Baal. And we'll talk about him. And that's the god of choice of Ahab and Jezebel. And we'll see that mentioned in the passage. But what we see is the conversation that Ahab and Elijah have, to begin our text, and then a conversation that Elijah has with the people. So we'll see two main topics and two main conversations. But what we see and what we see Elijah put forth is one simple statement. And we see that in verse number 21, which we'll get to in a minute. But the statement is simple. Follow him. Follow him. Elijah asks a very simple question and says this. If God is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. Make a decision. And I'm going to present this today in such a way in this year that this is our year, church, where we have to make a decision. We have to choose. Are we going to follow him. And I would ask it the exact same way that Elijah did. If God is God, then follow him. If God is everything that the Bible says that he is, then follow him. That is our challenge. You see, your parents cannot follow God for you. Your preacher cannot follow God for you. Your grandparents cannot follow. Your friends, your schoolmates, your neighbors, you have to make an individual choice whether or not you will follow him. Amen. That is your decision. But what does it cost? What is required to follow him? A.W. Tozer said this, if I am to wholly follow the Lord Jesus Christ, I must forsake everything that is contrary to him. If I'm going to follow him, then everything else has to play second fiddle when it comes to him. There, sh there can be no other comparison. There should be no other thing that I would even consider following 
And we'll see in the message there's only one other choice if we're not going to follow him. And so as we take our notes this morning, I want you to look at verse number 17. And let's begin right there. 1 Kings 18, verse 17. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Ahab, remember that guy, loving wife, saw Elijah, the preacher, the prophet, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Hey, aren't you the same guy that's got us in this mess we're in? We'll talk about that. Hey, aren't you that same guy? It's your fault, Elijah, that we're in this mess. And so we're going to take this passage of Scripture and unfold what does it mean to follow him. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you so much for your word. Please speak to our hearts and arrest our attention. Lord, please help us not to be focused on any movement in the service this morning. Lord, help us not to be a distraction this morning, but Lord, help us rather to draw that circle around ourselves, around our family, and say, Lord, what do I need to do to follow you? What does that look like in my home? Lord, what does that look like in my schedule, at my job, in my school? Lord, in my marriage, with my children? Lord, what does it look like to follow Him? Lord, help us to see your charge and challenge for us today. Lord, if there's someone here today that has not made the decision to follow you as their Savior, Lord, please help them to see their greatest spiritual need today is not whether or not they'll read the Bible more, whether or not they'll pray more, whether or not they'll witness more or give more or serve more or learn about you more. Lord, for that individual, the greatest decision they can make is simply, number one, to follow you by trusting you as Savior. Lord, I ask that you please speak to our heart today. Please speak to my heart. Show me, Lord, please cleanse me of any unconfessed sin in my heart and life. Help me to be clean. Lord, I cannot do and preach this message and do what you have asked me to do today without you. And Lord, I cannot do that. I know that and I don't want to try. Lord, please speak through me today. And Lord, show us as a church family, not just individually as a church family, what it takes to follow you. We love you and thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. In your notes, take number one and write down the mischief. The mischief. We see that the last time Ahab and Elijah had a conversation, Elijah told Ahab that there would not be any rain until he said so. Almost like, hey, this is a prophetic statement. It's not going to rain again until I sign off on it. And so what we see is Elijah leaves and exactly what Elijah said happens. No rain. Weeks turn into months. Months turn into years. And now it has been three years and they have not seen one drop of rain. Contrast that to their main idol that they worshipped, Baal. Baal was the god of the rain and the dew. So every single day they woke up and prayed, Oh, Baal, help it to rain today. It was a direct attack against Baal. There was somebody behind the scenes, and we know that somebody. There was somebody behind the scenes who was holding back the rain. They experienced drought. Famine, water is hard to come by. But even when the experience that they had for those three years, Abraham still, or excuse me, not Abraham, he's gone. Uh, but Ahab still had it all wrong. Still had it all wrong. Number one, we see the flawed perception. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, Art thou he? You're the one, and he uses the word 
troubles. You're the one who's troubled Israel. The word here that he used is the Hebrew word ahar, when it it means, I'm sorry, that's, that's not coughing something up. A-W-K-A-R, ahar, and uh, K's are pronounced with a ha sound, uh, not a Klingon ha, you know, but uh, ahar, uh, and it means to stir up or to disturb. Ahab is blaming Elijah for the problem. Ahab is blaming him for the season and the years that they've experienced. It's your fault. If you hadn't said that, we would not be here. You're the problem. All of those things. It's your mess. And what I find in this is it's always easy to find someone to blame when you're the one in the wrong. It's easy to find someone to blame when you're the one in the wrong. Remember the description, if you go back two chapters, and we're introduced in 1 Kings 16 and verse number 30 to Ahab. It says, And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord, to get this, above all that were before him. That's pretty descriptive. He is the most wicked king to date. Now, if you go down three verses, it tells you an even bigger scenario. And Ahab made a grove, which is literally a place of worship for a false god. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. It wasn't just that he was a bad guy. It wasn't just that he did evil. It was that he ticked God off with everything that he did. You know anybody like that? He ticked God off. And Ahab is trying to shift the focus away from himself and put it all on Elijah. But here's the truth. Ahab isn't just blaming Elijah. Ahab is blaming the God of Elijah. He is blaming God for all of this stuff. We know that Elijah is not the one capable of holding back the rain. We know that. It was God. But God is trying to get the attention of his people by doing something that he had said was not allowed. Now think about this for just a minute. Could it be that there are needs in our lives that we have that go unmet because God is saying, until you follow me, I'm not meeting that need. Until you make that determination in your life that I am going to be the only one you pursue, I'm not meeting that need. Could it be that we don't see God as active in our lives as we would like to because we're not wholly following Him? Could it be that that is the reason? Because, listen closely, you might think that the decisions that you make only affect you, and I would tell you lovingly that you are horribly wrong. The decisions that you and I make affect more than just ourselves. They affect those around us. Dads, the decisions you make in your home affect your wife and your kids. Moms, the decisions you make at your home affect your husband and your children. The the decisions that you make on the job site affect your coworkers. The decisions you make in church affect those who are here in the room with you. Everything we do has a consequence to those around us. Everything we do. 
when God gave the children of Israel very specific instructions when they went through Jericho as they had come out of Egypt, spent 40 years, and as they got into Jericho and God caused the walls to fall down flat and they destroyed everything, God gave very specific instructions that were disobeyed, not by a bunch of people, by one person. And in Joshua chapter 7, verse 25, and Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled? There it is. There's the word. That, that Klingon word. Uh, that har. You know, there it is. That word, troubled. Why have you, Achan, troubled us? One man's sin disrupted the entire nation. Now think about that one for a minute. God gave a public declaration through his people and said, Don't touch anything. It's mine. And Achan stole just a few little piddly things. And God held all of them responsible. I wonder if at many times it's my lack of faith that holds my family back. I wonder at times if it's my lack of faith or my lack of trust or my lack of discernment that holds our church back. See, it does matter. Your peace, the part and the role that you play does make a difference. Are you following him? Do you have a flawed perception that maybe you're not the problem? Are you trying to blame somebody else for the situation that you have put yourself in? Whether that's at home. Whether that's at work, whether that's your kids, whether that's your family, are you the problem instead of somebody else? The flaw of perception. But then number two, we see the forsaken position. Look at verse number 18. And he answered, this is Elijah speaking, the preacher, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house. Hey, it's not me. It's not me, Ahab. It's your family. But what did he say he had done? He said, it's your family Because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed Balaam. Baal. You followed this false god which is totally wrong. And he even tells him, it's not just that you walked away. It's that you totally replaced God. It's not that you said, you know, I just don't want to follow God anymore. It's you have totally replaced God and now you're serving something else. You know, our world today... We're susceptible to the exact same things. Do you realize that? It's not that we don't follow God. It's this that we have elevated other things to be his equal. It's that we have put our opinion, our position to the same level as God and we try to serve them in tandem. All right, on Sunday I'm going to do this and I'm going to serve Jesus and I'm going to go to church with my family. But then Monday I'm going to live however I want to. You can't do both. Remember, Jesus said no man can serve two masters. You've got to pick who you're going to follow. You've got to choose one. Maybe you were raised in church. You heard what the Bible said. You heard the truth. And yet we still struggle to make a decision about following him. We have to choose what we're going to do. Remember, Paul spoke to the church and spoke to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. and says, The things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be, either to, who shall be able to teach others also. 
It's not just about taking information in. It's about passing that information along. It's not just about hearing the information. Remember, James said, be doers of the word and not just hearers only. It's about taking the information and applying that information. It's not just about, well, you know, Vision Sunday, pastor talked about following him. Sure hope somebody does it. It's about every single person making that decision. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do that. And that's not that difficult. When you think about the whole, the the entirety of what that means, I know how to follow him. God gave me a manual to show me how to do that. But it requires determination on our part. Hey, I'm not worried about following him in 2025. I might not make it to 2025. I told Chance this morning, somebody... One of these days is going to sing the last special. Somebody, one of these days, is going to sing that last hymn. Because one of these days, we're all checking out of here. One way or the other, we're all checking out of here one of these days. So one of these days, we're going to sing the last song. No pressure, all right? Uh, (laughs) But we may have already sung it. You just don't know. But think about it like this. Hey, you cannot wait till 2025 to make this decision. This is a today decision. Are you going to follow him today? Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about next month. Well, I don't know what that's going to look like in the summertime. You might not live to see the summertime. Jesus could come back before the summertime. Are you going to serve him and follow him today? That's the decision we have to make. Today. Today. Remember, all the verses come into mind. Today, 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 if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Uh, As for me and my house, today, choose you this day who you'll serve. Today, are you going to follow him? Jonathan Edwards, Puritan preacher, said, if I'm going to make resolutions, resolution one, I will live for God. Resolution two, if no one else does, I still will. You know our hang-up so many times? We're not resolved to follow him because we're looking at other people to see if they're going to first. You know, pastor, I'll follow him when that person sitting down the row will. I'll follow them when my spouse will. I'll follow them when my kids will. No, 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 no. No, it's your choice whether or not you're going to follow him. Your choice. Are you resolved to follow God even when no one else will? Are you that determined? Years after this, the people would be commanded to bow to a statue that their king had put up, and three men refuse. How'd you be in that? I'd like to be in that crowd. The trumpet sounds, and everybody bows down, and you're the only one standing up. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those three guys? Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, those three guys who said, We're not going to bow. We're not doing it. I don't care if the. Statues 90 feet tall. We're not bowing. King brings them in. They were well-respected, well-loved, well-liked. King brings them in and says, hey, guys, maybe you didn't get the memo. Maybe you didn't read it clearly. I just want to make sure that you understand, give you another opportunity. And here is the response in Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 17 and 18. If it be so, these are the men speaking. If it be so, our God whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. That was the consequence of not bowing. Uh, Dangerous, fiery furnace. And there we go. My iPad's doing all crazy stuff. Fun today. 
And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Hey, our God is going to deliver us. If he chooses to, he's going to save us. But here's the flip side. Verse number 18. But if not. But if not. Now, the thing that I love about this passage in Daniel chapter 3 is they were resolved that they weren't bowing regardless. You think about that? Hey, if God saves us, God is able. God has done it in the past. We've heard the stories. God has come through. If God wants to save us, He will and is able. But if not, here it is. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou set up. This is that boom, foot in the sand. This is the line. We are not crossing that line. We're not bowing down. It's possible that our God will save us, and he can, and we believe that he will. But if he doesn't, we'll die for what we believe in. That's people who say, I'll follow him. I'll follow him. If that means that I lose my job, I'll follow him. If that means that my family doesn't like me, I'll follow him. If that means that I don't have many friends, I'll follow him. If that means that I'm not popular at work or nobody talks to me at work, that might actually be a blessing in disguise. But if nobody talks to me at work, I'll still follow him. How willing are you? Because I think sometimes we think, well, I'll follow him when it's easy. If you're only going to follow Jesus when it's easy, you never will. You never will. Because the first hardship you come, you'll be done. And that first, first hardship you're going to experience, I'm going to tell you right now, today, when you make that decision, I'm going to follow him today. Woo, yes, we're going, yeah. At lunchtime, you're going to be challenged. Your kid's going to do something. They're going to throw something. They're going to say something. Your wife's going to say something. Now, all this different stuff. Uh, you're going to, your server's going to tick you off, spill uh, your drink in your lap. Something is going to happen today to test whether or not you're sincere. Will you follow him? Even in those hardships, where are the Christians who will say, I don't care what my boss says. I don't care what society says. I don't care what my family says. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what my salary says. I'm going to follow him no matter what. Where is that decision? It's not just asking the church, hey, we're, we're asking individuals, are you going to follow him? Are you going to stand? Ahab led the people down a path. They had no business going down, but they just wouldn't take a stand. There are people here in this story who are sitting down when they need to be standing up, jumping up and down, and they're sitting. So today, will you stand? Will you follow him? There's a flawed perception. There is a forsaken position, number three. There's a final presentation. Verse 19 and 20. Now therefore send and gather me all Israel into Mount Carmel. This is Elijah speaking. He says, hey, bring all of the people together. Bring all of the prophets of Baal together. 450. Bring all of the prophets that sit at Jezebel's table. 400. Bring all of them. Verse 20. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together in Mount Carmel. Hey, we're going to have a conversation. 
And I want everybody to hear. Now, as you read out the next few verses, Ahab, Ahab does not completely re, uh, uh, apply or comply with this request. Elijah says, bring 850 prophets and only 450 show up. So Ahab doesn't exactly do all that he's supposed to do. He holds back. But it gives an example to us of those who choose to obey in their own way rather than fully commit to God. Ahab, hey, bring 850. Yep, 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 yep. Gets back home. Uh, I don't know about 850. Maybe just 450. Now, if you think about it, at the end of the story, everybody who Ahab brings with him dies. Think about that one. All the prophets that came that day that weren't with God died. And Elijah killed all of them. Bet his arm was tired at the end of the day. Uh, no workout needed. But Remember 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4? And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So when you walk out of here and say, yes, I'm going to follow him, and before you even get home, you've made a wrong turn on your decision to follow him down that path, it says you're a liar. Hey, I didn't say it. God did. God calls all of us liars when we make that commitment and we don't follow through. That's us. That's us, church. And it's not enough just to say it. We have to be willing to live it. See, we say what we think, but we live what we believe. You can say, yes, pastor, this year I'm going to read my Bible more. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to establish a prayer list and I'm going to witness and I'm going to give, uh, give to missions and I'm going to support the church and uh, I'm going to give my tithe. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do all those things. But do you believe it by living it? See, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Prove it. Live it out. Follow him. We see the mischief. Number two, we see the moment. Here's our theme verse. For 2024, I love this verse. Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? Hey, how long are we going to do this? How long are we going to go back and forth? How long is it going to be before you guys actually make a decision? The people had gone back and forth between God and Baal. Back and forth and back. And so Elijah starts with a challenge. He gives them a challenge. Number one. Think about this. When Elijah... Ask them the question. Says, how long are you going to keep doing this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? They weren't accomplishing anything. They weren't going anywhere. They were trying to combine worship of God and Baal. They were trying to worship God and they were trying to worship something else. Just a great reminder for us, God doesn't share worship with anyone or anything. He doesn't share his glory, his worship with other people. But we do that today when we try to take traditions that we have construed and lay them on top of worship. We, tr we do it all the time in church. You know that? Hey, I can't sing that song because it's not in the hymn book. That's a tradition of men. Hey, I can't uh, use this version of Bible because it's not the grand old That'll get me some emails this week. Uh, I can't wear those clothes because somebody might say something to me because that's not how I grew up. We take our traditions and we stack them on top of worship. 
And that's exactly what these people had done. They were trying to do both at the same time. You know, I love how Paul addresses this in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know why he said that? Because they had lived their lives under a microscope. They could only do certain things. They could only eat certain things. They could only go certain places. And Paul says, why are you doing that? Stop. Stop it. Watch that Bob Newhart uh, show at some point. Stop it. Stop it. Best advice you could hear. Stop it. But a lot of people use that verse, stand fast, in the liberty. They use that verse as an occasion to sin. Well, man, if it says we can do whatever we want to, pastor even said so. That's not what I said. Because Paul clarifies what he says 12 verses later. In verse 13, Paul says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Hey, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Just because you can do those things, just because you can say those things, just because you can do that doesn't mean that it's good for you to do that. Stand fast in that liberty. Don't be entangled. Don't be so bound up in the past that you can't move forward. Here's the truth of the matter. Jesus didn't set you free from your past so that you would be chained in the present. Jesus set you free from the expectations of others so that you could experience a relationship with Him. Let me say that again. It's on the screen and on your handout. Jesus didn't set you free from your past to be chained in the present. We all go backwards at times, don't we? Pastor, God could never use me. There's the statement. Pastor, if you knew what I did in high school, you knew what I did in college, if you knew what I did last week, God would never want to use me. I think God made that pretty clear how he felt about you when Jesus came for you. That's your value. My value fixed. My ransom paid. We should sing that. When we get to that line in the song, we should sing that 48 times just to drive it home. My value fixed. My ransom paid at the cross. See, Jesus didn't set you free from your past to be chained in the present. He set you free that you might have life and life more abundantly. But Jesus set us free from the expectation of others. Some of your others are family members. Some of your others are people who are sitting in this room. Some of your others are people from your past. Some of your others are a previous church you used to go to. Hey, when you come to Crossroads, we're not trying to say, all right, tell us how we can be more like your past church. Tell us how we can be more like, do more like where you came from. Hey, this is a new place. We're starting fresh. This is a place where we come in and say, hey, how can we show you how to follow him? That's what this is all about. Jesus set you free from the expectations of others so that you could experience a relationship with him. What will people think? What will they say? What does it matter? What does it matter? You know, how much could we do for him if we weren't constantly worried about what people thought or said about us? How much could we do? How much could happen in your life 
if we weren't constantly thinking, man, I hope, I hope this doesn't make so-and-so upset. I hope they don't talk about me. I hope I, when I do this, I hope that they don't talk bad about me on Facebook. What does it matter? Are you following him? Are you following him? The problem with the people was they were so used to this way of living that this was now normal. This was their way of life. They needed to see something radical to shock them back into place. They needed to see what God had done and what he was capable of doing to be able to be brought back to reality. Hey, this morning, do you need to be reminded of his faithfulness? Do you need to be reminded of his past blessing? Do you need to be reminded of his goodness? You know, 2023 was a great year. Say, Pastor, I don't know about you. 2023 was, a great, was not a great year at my house. Now, let me tell you what 2023 looked like at God's house here in Fishersville. Okay? Let's talk about 105 brand new members here at Crossroads. Now listen, let me stop here. This is not what we've done. Very clear, right out the gate. This is not a look at us conversation. This is a look at Jesus conversation. Because we can't do this. We can't do these things. 105 new members this past year. Next slide. We saw 18 people saved this year. That is not a work of us. That's a work of God. Not just that, but we saw 30 people take their next step in believer's baptism. 30. That's not us. That's all God. Not only that, salvation, baptism, 21 people completed discipleship this year. We have a discipleship program, take people through a 14-week course, take people through. We had 16 people registered in the process at the end of the year and 10 more that are starting this month. That's all him. That's not us. 21 people completed discipleship. Next slide. This past year, this is all Jesus. This church. Gave $164,000 to missions. Hey, that's all him. Because he is the giver. He's the gift and the giver. But when we allow him to give through us, hey, he does some pretty awesome things. $164,000 plus to missions. That's a God thing. Not only that, but then we saw, next slide. Next slide. We started a Christian school this past year. Not we. God did. We just got to be a part of it. And right now, we have over 100 enrolled. This is just at the end of the year. 95. At the end of 2023, 95 students enrolled. And we're planning to add 100 to that by next fall. Say, Pastor, is that your dream? Oh, no, no, that's God. That's God. Because he's not just the giver and the gift. He's also the one who gives us the vision. No, So 95 students enrolled at Augusta Christian Academy right down the street. If you don't know we have a Christian school, you didn't know. So we haven't, but all that, we have one amazing God. One. I love our verse from a few years ago. We use it a lot. Psalm 118, 23. This is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Hey, the things that we saw in 2023, they're all Him. They're not us. It's all about Him. But it happens when we make a decision to follow Him. We see not only the challenge, the choice. Here's where we are today. Elijah laid all this out and said, Hey guys, you have to decide if you're going to follow God 
or are you going to follow Baal? You know, while we might not have Baal in our picture, that might not be our option. You know, I'm going to leave today and I've got to decide am I going to follow God or am I going to follow this false God? But we do have another idol that p- competes with God every single day. You know who it is? It's us. There is no other option, by the way. Because people followed Baal because that's what they wanted to do. There is no other option. You're either going to follow God or you're going to follow you. How is following you worked out in your life? I thank God for unanswered prayers. That's our song. You're going to follow you? That's what you get. And you better thank God that he didn't give you everything you wanted to have in your life. How's that working out for you? Because when we make the decision to follow him, and I make the choice that no matter what happens, I want it to be honoring to him, man, then everything he sends me is according to his will, and I'm going to like it. Because when my will lines up with his will, and I say, God, you do the things that you're going to do in my life, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow you like we talked about last week in the whiteboard illustration. Hey, no matter what happens, I'm just going to follow you, and I'm going to trust you, and I love you enough. So the things that happen in my life are going to be ordained by you, and I'm still going to follow you no matter what happens. That means everything that comes in my way, I'm going to be good with And I'm going to still trust him and I'm going to follow him. It's a choice. Joshua, we mentioned a moment ago, he said, choose you this day. Joshua 24, 15. Remember Moses' decision in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. The time to choose is now. Not next week. Not a year from now. Not a month from now. The choice is today. Am I going to wake up this week a few minutes early to spend time with him? Am I going to establish a prayer list, a prayer journal, something to keep track of prayers, prayer requests, answered prayers? Am I going to maybe hand out one track, one invite, share my story every single week with one person? All of those things are attainable. We're not talking about doing something radical. We're just talking about taking a step. Follow him. Whatever he leads you to do, say, that's what I want to do. Because I promise if you ask him, God, what do you want me to do? He'll tell you. You know where our problem comes in? We don't want to ask because we don't want to know. I don't want God to tell me what he wants me to do because... I don't know if I want to do it. That's the rub. Are you going to follow him or are you going to follow you? Lastly, this morning we see the magnitude of the decision. Zig Ziglar said, every choice you make has an end result. There's a major moment for them. We see the loneliness, verse 22. Then Elijah said unto the people, I even, I only remain a prophet. Of the Lord. Now we know in the next chapter Elijah is going to found, find out there are more thousands more that are following him. But this is how Elijah feels. This is emotional. Emotionally, I feel like I'm all by myself. Remember Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Paul said, I'm by myself. And there will be times where you're going to feel like you're the only one serving God. The only one. Who is honoring him. 
the only one standing, the only one who cares. Our emotions can play havoc in our lives. But here's the thing, there are emotions. You have control over your emotions. I don't have control over your emotions. You do, just like I have control over mine. We all get to decide what we're going to do. That's why this year, church, we have to change our focus. We have to shift the way that we think. We're not a small church. We're not a little church. That means we can't think like a little church. There, were a day, there was a day and time when we could say, all right, if you want to know everybody's address, phone number, email, uh, text number, uh, you want everybody's picture and name of the church, man, come get you a directory and you can have all that. How many of you know that's dangerous in our culture today? How many of you want some strange weirdo showing up at your front door because they got your address from the church directory? The pastor, I just want to send somebody a card. Thank you. Call the office. We'll have that person call you and give you their address. Hey, this is a different world today. And we're not, we're not saying, hey, let's do something radical and be like all us four no more. But we can't think small. we got to think big. We have to think going forward, not going back. And let me just say, we're not going back to the 1970s. We are not. Not. Write it down in your outline. We're not going back. No, no, no. We're not going back. Okay? We're going forward. Because Jesus doesn't follow up, lead us to the past. He leads us to the future. Going forward. Forward. That's why we have to think. When I come into church, who am I going to minister to today? Hey, I can't come into church and say, all right, where's my friends that I'm going to talk to? I'm knocking on somebody's door this morning. Not intentionally. And if you think it's me, it's not me, it's Jesus. Hey, I can't come in and say, where's my friends? I have to come in and say, who needs a blessing today? Who's hurting today? Who do I need to minister to today? Amen. And Because I can get so bogged down in conversation with my friends that I miss an opportunity to minister to someone who's hurting. And all of us need that mentality. Every single one of us has to change our focus. So think about, and right after the service this morning, we're going to have a, a talk shop uh, where we're going to just talk about some upcoming changes, different things. It won't take long, just a couple minutes, just let you know of some things that are on the horizon for us as a church family. But think about the loneliness. Elijah felt lonely. But then number two, we see the labor that was involved. He talked about the process of taking these two bullocks, and here's the challenge where they're going to lay this altar, this sacrifice, this altar, this sacrifice, and they're going to say, whoever answers by fire. But it required work. Serving God requires effort. We understand that? This is something that requires us to work. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, 21. For here, even here and two were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. That's not talking about we should be loving, caring, compassionate church, because that's what Jesus is, and we follow his steps. It's telling us that Jesus suffered. And following Jesus is going to hurt. 
you want to know what it's going to cost to follow Jesus? Your comfort. That's what it costs. That's what it's cost. It's no secret that we're starting two services. It's going to hurt. Hey, we're not saying, man, what else could we do that would be fun? I know. Let's have another service even earlier. That's not why we're doing that. We're doing this as a way to reach more people with the gospel. That's why we're doing it. But you know what that requires? Work. It requires more help. It requires more servants. Maybe If you're sitting there this morning saying, man, if they'd ask me to serve, I would. I'm asking you to serve. I'm talking about picking people up and bringing them to church. On your way to church. I'm going to drive right by their house. I might as well take 30 seconds and pull in their driveway and pick them up. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about simply showing up and saying, good morning. I'm talking about being in the lobby and greeting people. Well, I don't like talking to people. Hey, they don't like talking to you, but stand there and wave. (laughs) I'm talking about the simple things. I'm not talking about getting up. All right, now next Sunday you're the one preaching. I'm not asking for you to do that. I think we got that one covered, okay? Uh, But I'm just saying, where do you want to serve? What are you passionate about? Every single one of the ministries in our church needs help. I'm talking about safety team. I'm talking about safe house. I'm talking about our audio visual behind the scenes. If you don't want anybody to talk to you, we'll send you to somebody and put a headset on you. They won't bother you. I'm talking about first impression. I'm talking about in the parking lot. I'm talking about on our golf cart. Hey, we're trying to spread out the work to where it's not weighing one person down. How would you like to show up at Chick-fil-A, give your order, and wait 20 minutes for the guy that you told what you wanted to go back and prep your food, bag it for you, and then bring it out? Nobody wants to do that. Hey, this has to be a well-oiled machine, and to do that, we need people. But you're not serving me. You're serving him. You're following him. You're never too old, too young, too new, too familiar, too big, too small to serve Jesus. Will you follow him? It was labor involved. There was loneliness involved. And then lastly, there was a leader involved. Now this is not Elijah. Okay, verse 24. Call ye on the name of your gods, I'll call them on the name of the Lord. And the God that answered by fire, let him be God. Hey, we're only going to ask one prayer request. Here it is. God, send down fire. And the one that does, we're going to follow him. So let me ask you this morning. We could rephrase it like this. The God who's always been faithful, always provided, always looked out for you. That's who we should follow. You know anybody that fits that description? Because I promise you, if you ask yourself, have I always been faithful to me? Have I always been good to me? Have I always looked out for me? No. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. He's the one who's faithful, church. At the end of the day, someone is going to leave your life. Somebody. 
you have to make the decision of who that's going to be. You know, if you've ever been to a dog park and you've walked a dog at the dog park, you know there are two kinds of dog owners and there are two kinds of dogs. And they are paired together. Okay, some of you are like, oh, this is going to be bad. All right. But you know, there are some kind of, some dogs, when you go to the dog park, maybe the one in Waynesboro, and they get out of the car, and from the moment the door opens, like they open the door and they reach their hand in, they're like grabbing onto the leash and all this stuff, because they know the moment they open the door, if they're not holding on to something like this, it's going to be bad. That dog's never coming back home. Yeah. Freedom! You know? They didn't even have to ask Mel Gibson for it. I mean, they just go, they're gone, all right? But think about it. Why is that dog on a leash? Because if it's not on a leash, it's gone. That dog has not learned the important principle of staying close to its owner. And submitting to that owner's authority. So consequently, that dog is on a leash. You know? I thought about putting this on Andrew, but I figured that would be condescending. You know? <laughs> Love you, Andrew. Uh, Gabe. I should have put it on Gabe. That would have been better. All right? Because everybody, well, never mind. Never mind. Gabe. Uh, but think about it. There are those other dog owners. They open the door and the dog sits there. Waiting for the command. The dog gets out. They walk around. Play together. The dog has no leash. Nothing holding it back. Because when that owner speaks, that dog responds to the owner's voice. And that dog will... Right there. Looking up. What do I do next? Just tell me what you want me to do. Look it up. Yeah. Just tell me what you want me to do. He is our owner. Yeah. So many times in my life. God won't want to let you. Why won't you let me go over there? Why won't you let me do that? And he lovingly looks back and says, because you haven't learned to trust me. You haven't learned to respond when I call you. You haven't learned to follow me. And when I speak to you and you still run out there, I can't trust you. I can't trust you. Okay, we can trust him. But can he trust us? There's something to be said about one of those owners. But that dog right there, yeah, that owner has spent so much time cultivating that relationship to where that dog will look at him and say, whatever you tell me to do, whatever you say, I'm going to follow. Church, this is his voice. Are you going to follow? Are you going to be that dog that has to constantly be on a leash. He has to drag you everywhere he wants you to go because you won't submit to him. That's the choice today.
You're one of those animals that has a leash and a collar where, because you can't be trusted? Are you the one where the Lord opens the door and says, Hey, just stay close to me. And you say, Yes, sir. And you're constantly looking up, constantly listening, tuning in. That's why we get with Him every single day. We spend time in His Word every single day to hear His voice. Are you following Him? Will you follow Him? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me just tell you two things really quickly. Altar's already open. If you want to come and pray, you can. Maybe you would say, I want to follow Him this year. Maybe you make that decision and say, hey, I'm going to start today. I'm not worried about next month, next week, next year. I'm going to follow Him today. Maybe that's your decision. There's been a time in your life when you have made the decision to follow Him, where you've surrendered your life to Him, where you've submitted to Him as the owner and authority of your life. Is He the ruler of all in your life? Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know that you're saved. You don't know that you've turned to Him for salvation. Hey, I don't want to embarrass you, call your name, embarrass you, point you out, but I would like to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, please pray for me. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I've turned my life to Him. I don't know that for myself. With no one looking around, would you simply slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me you're talking about. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that my sins have been forgiven. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. Maybe you say, hey, I haven't raised my hand yet, but I'll raise it right now. I don't know. If I died, I'd be on my way to heaven. I don't have that assurance in my life. Is that you? I'd like to pray for you this morning. Would you simply, with no one looking around, slip up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me. That's me. Pray for me. Is that you? Hey, if you're here this morning and you say, hey, that's my heart. Hey, don't wait. Talk to him right now. Tell him what your need is. Tell him that you need him. Tell him that your desire, that you want to follow him. Thank him for sending Jesus to die on the cross for your sin. Trust him today. That's what salvation is. It's not some magnanimous thing. It's simply trusting him, taking him at his word. Say, I'll follow him. Would you ask the Lord for what you need today? Maybe you know in your life, in your heart, that you're not following him. Maybe you right now, you would simply pray and ask the Lord to help you. Today. Not worry about later this year, but today. Lord, help me today to follow you. Help me make that decision. I'm going to follow him. Whatever that looks like for you, do what God wants you to do this morning. Father, please bless our time of invitation. Speak to our hearts. Lead us and help us to follow you. That old song, I have decided to follow Jesus, help that to be our battle cry. No matter where you lead us, we're going to be following. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us, please. Brother Tim's going to lead us in that song. Words will be on the screen if you want to sing it. If you want to sit there and pray, you want to come to the altar. Our personal workers are down front. We'd love to pray with you if you need somebody. But let's sing this song together. Sing it from your heart. I have decided.